is the Homestead Journey Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the pursuit of self-sufficiency, self-reliance, and sustainability. This is episode number 79 of the Homestead Journey Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me here on the Homestead Journey. My name is Brian Wells. I am coming to you from 3B Farm and Homestead here in beautiful upstate New York. And folks, I am so excited to jump into today's topic. So without further ado, let's head on over to this week's Homestead Happenings. So what have we been up to this week on 3B Farm and Homestead? Well, a lot of it has had to do with gardening, some of it outdoors and some of it indoors. First of all, I am getting ready to rehab some of my raised beds. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in a bit. But because of that, I went ahead and placed an order this week for some more um, garden soil. And so I actually have put the brakes on planting anything more out in my raised beds. My raised beds, as is to be expected, the soil has started to settle. And normally I top it off with uh, compost, but it had settled so much, I didn't really want to top it off with that much compost. And because I am going to rehab some of my original beds that were only about six inches deep, I knew I was going to need quite a bit of garden soil. And so there's a local farmer that delivers uh, their own garden soil mix, which is what I've used in my raised beds. And so I placed an order this week, but because so many people are gardening, they're out a couple of weeks on being able to deliver that. And so right now I've just put a hold on direct sowing anything uh, in my raised beds. So uh, that kind of put a little bit of a damper on the works there. But in the meantime, I have been doing some other things to prepare uh, up in the Ruth Stout bed, as well as around the uh, raised beds, just doing some clean outs and cleanup. Indoors, I have been tending to the things that are in the seed starting system. So my herbs are popping up, my peppers are looking great, and my brassicas are up very, very nicely. But my tomatoes had kind of gotten out ahead of me a little bit. They were a little bit bigger than I had anticipated before thinning them. And I've just been so focused on a few other projects that I just hadn't gotten around to it. So what I decided to do was instead of separating them and kind of tearing them apart and then potting them on, that I would just, with a pair of scissors, kind of clip out the extras and then put them in some water and see if I could get them to root that way. Last year, I tried an experiment where I clipped some of them and then tried to plant them in soil and see if they would root. And I didn't have much success. And I don't know what I did wrong, but I didn't have much success doing that. So I thought this year I would try getting them to root in water. And so I just took all of those cuttings and I grabbed some pint jars that I had around to put a little bit of water in the bottom of it and put those in there. And folks, it's a miracle. <laughs> it actually worked. So now the downside to that is now I have a whole bunch of cuttings that I do need to pot on because they did develop roots, but 
it was just an exciting experiment for me to try and it worked. And so now I'm going to have a lot more tomato plants to either sell or give away. So I was just very excited that that actually worked. One of my scouts this week actually did his Eagle project. Now, what does that have to do with gardening? Well, what he did is he actually built some raised beds. Now, when I'm talking about raised beds, these are actually up off the ground, um, kind of like a big, huge table. And he built them out of locusts that his dad actually milled out on their sawmill. And so it was very exciting to be a part of that because obviously, you know, that gardening is near and dear to my heart. And this was a project that he did for our local youth center. And so they're going to be learning how to plant and harvest vegetables using these raised beds. But what ended up happening is his dad cut out a lot more lumber than what he needed. And so I said to him, what are you going to do with all that extra locust that you have? Can I buy it from you? And his dad said, no, I'll do you one better. I'll give it to you. And so I have some rough cut locusts that I'm going to be going down tomorrow and picking up. And then I've got a couple of raised beds. That are, they're actually my original raised beds that I built out of cedar decking back in 2008, I believe. I believe it was in 2008. And so they seriously are in need of um, an upcycle, shall we say. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to be tearing those apart and actually putting the locust on the outside. And so I'll have them probably about 12 inches deep, which is why I need that extra garden soil. But very excited about that. So that will be a project for this coming week, but it came from my scouts uh, Eagle project. And so very, very excited about that. If you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and if not, why not? <laughs> the links are in the show notes, but uh, I posted a picture yesterday of a rehab that I did on our duck house. Now, our duck house was built, I think, three years ago, um, and I put a piece of plywood on top of it as a temporary roof. Well, that temporary roof has been there for three years. And so if you remember last week, I talked about the homestead goodies that I was able to get down at my grandfather's. And so I took some of that tin and that lumber and put it to good use. And I actually have put a real roof on top of the duck house. But I didn't just stop there. I actually have been wanting to raise the duck house up off the ground and put it on a, on a trailer frame so that I could move it around more easily. And yesterday I went to an auction, a local machinery auction, and I wasn't able to, to get anything there. But today I found on Facebook marketplace, a trailer for 40 bucks. And it was about an hour and 20 minutes away from me. I drove down there today, picked it up, brought it home. And so you will see a picture of that on Facebook and Instagram as well. So if you haven't seen that, head on over there and check that out. But very excited about being able to turn that duck house and goose house into something a little bit more mobile. And I don't know how often we'll move them but at least I'll have the opportunity to move them if I so choose without having to get really creative with ratchet straps and so forth and trying to move it with the tractor. This week, we did actually have a number of days where it rained, which we desperately needed that. And so that actually provided me with an excuse 
Not that I needed one, but at least I didn't feel guilty being indoors when it was nice outside. Uh, And so I was able to really focus on preparing for the upcoming challenge. And if you have not already checked it out, head on over to challenge.thehomesteadjourney.net. Remember, I'm going to be going live on April 26th from 7 to 8 p.m. And then doing that every evening up through April 30th. So if you haven't already, head on over to challenge.thehomesteadjourney.net to get more information. I am so excited about it. Like I said, I spent a number of evenings this week getting ready for it. And I just think it's going to be a great time. And so you're not going to want to miss it. And enough about that. (laughs) But I'm really, really super stoked about it. So check it out. Challenge.thehomesteadjourney.net. All right. Before we head on over to this week's Charting the Course, if you are interested in supporting the show, you can do so in a couple of different ways. First of all, simply share the show with your friends and neighbors and anybody else that you think might find value in it, I would greatly appreciate that. Secondly, if you haven't left me a review, please do so on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform is of choice. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a review or a rating. Finally, if you want to support the show financially, head on over to thehomesteadjourney.net slash shop, and there you will find links to a bunch of gear. Uh, that we use here on the homestead and highly recommend. Those are Amazon affiliate links. There's cookbooks and books on gardening and just a bunch of great stuff. So check that out. If you buy through those links, a portion of that does come back and help support the show. And I would greatly appreciate it. All right, let's head on over to this week's charting the course. On this week's Charting the Course, I want to talk about one of the biggest homesteading myths that exist. Now, there are a lot of big homesteading myths that exist, but this is one of the biggest. And that is that homesteading is going to save you money on your grocery bill. Now, before you lose your mind on this, before you shut the podcast off, let me explain Let me kind of make my case. And I think by the end of this, you are going to agree with me. And if not, then we can have that discussion. Reach out to me, Brian, at thehomesteadjourney.net via email. Or again, contact me on any of our social media accounts. More than happy to have a dialogue with you about this. To give you the background on why I'm covering this topic today, I was scrolling through Facebook and looking at some of the homesteading groups that I'm a part of. And I saw this post. Is having meat chickens worth it to you? We have about 28 currently, and I feel like we've put so much money into these things. I thought this was going to be cheaper than buying store-bought meat. I was very, very, very wrong. Now, folks, I actually responded to that, and I apologized that they had been either misinformed or misled. I don't want to say that people had lied to them because I don't think that people have lied to them intentionally. But I do think that sometimes veteran homesteaders forget about some of the growing pains, and they forget about some of the costs that actually go into raising real food. I have said before, I will say again, there is a real cost to raising 
real food. And I think it's very, very important that we are honest about that. I know some people are going to take this as me discouraging people and being negative about the cost of raising food. I don't want it to come across that way. But to me, what would be more discouraging is if I told you that you were going to save money on your grocery bill and then like this person, you get into it and you realize how much it actually costs you financially to raise real food. There is a real cost to raising real food. I had one individual who kind of took issue with what I said. He didn't feel like I was being fair to homesteading. And he kind of said something along the lines. I thought I was on a homesteading site. And so I kind of challenged him a little bit. I tried to do it kindly, but I asked him some questions with regards to his setup and so forth. Because to me, if you are buying quality feed and you are trying to do good by your animals, it's going to cost you money to raise real food. There's a real cost to raising real food. And this individual replied and said, well, they were rotationally grazing all of their animals. They kept them on pasture and they didn't hardly feed them anything at all. They had some roosters that they fed a little bit of grain to, but other than that, they raised everything on grass and had no inputs. Well, I'm not going to say they're lying because that would not be fair. I don't know their situation. But I do strongly believe that they are not taking into consideration some of the true costs that they are incurring to raise real food. You know, when you're going to rotationally graze animals, that means that you have to have land. Land is not free. There's a cost to land. There's a cost in upkeep. There's a cost in taxes. And obviously, you have to buy it. So land is not free. Even if you have land, it's not free. There's a cost to that. If you're rotationally grazing your animals, you're going to have to have in place infrastructure to be able to do that. That's not free. There's a cost to that. Whether it's fencing, waterers, housing, there is a cost to that. Now, I don't know where this individual lives. But let me just give you my example here where I live in beautiful upstate New York. Here in beautiful upstate New York, if you're going to graze animals on pasture, you're probably lucky if you get six, maybe seven months of being able to do that. Other than that, things are dormant or they are covered underneath snow. And so during those months, you're going to have to feed those animals. If you're going to do grass fed, you're going to have to feed them hay. So if you're buying hay, there's a cost to that. But let's say that you have enough land on which you can raise your own grass and turn it into hay. Again, you have the cost of the land, you have the cost of the seed in order to make the hay. But if you're bailing that hay, you have tedders and you have mowers and you have balers and you have wagons and you have twine and you have tractors and you have diesel. All of that costs money. So there's a cost to raising real food. But then once you bale that hay, you've got to do something with that hay. And so if you're going to store it in a barn, you either had to buy or build that barn. There's a cost that comes with that. You see what I'm saying, folks? 
even in the best of circumstances, when people look at it from the standpoint of I'm doing this for free because I'm raising it on grass, that grass isn't free. We think that it, well, it's free. It grew there. No, but you had to care for it. You had to tend to it and you had to buy that land. You had to put in, in place the infrastructure. There's a real cost to raising real food. And then when you decide to process your animals, if you pay somebody else to process them, there's a cost to that. And if you're going to process them yourself, you have to have all of the gear to do that. There is a cost that comes with that. If you have a slicer, you had to buy the slicer. If you've got a grinder, you have to have, you had to buy the grinder. If you have knives to cut that, there's a cost that comes along with it. And yes, I understand that over time, you may be able to recoup some of that cost, but there is a real cost in raising real food. Now, when this individual posted on Facebook, they said, I thought I was going to save money over the grocery store and they're raising meat chickens. Let me give you a bit of an example. A couple of weeks ago, one of our local independent, it's a small mom and pop grocery store. They had chicken quarters on sale for 58 cents a pound, 58 cents a pound. Now, let me just kind of put that in perspective. When I raise a meat bird, I try to get them to about an average of five pounds. So five pounds of chicken quarters at this store was going to be about $2.90. $2.90 for five pounds of chicken at the grocery store. If I go buy meat chicks, in many places, the average cost of one meat chick is around $2 each. It depends on how many you buy, but this person said they had 28 chicks. At that point, you are in about the $2 per chick range. Now, when you're raising meat birds, many people will say that there is an acceptable loss of about 10% or an expected loss of about 10% with regards to meat birds. So now you're up to about $2.20 per chick and you've not put a, an ounce of feed in them. We've not factored in the cost of your coop, your waterers, your processing, any of those kinds of things. And you're already at $2.20 per chick. There is no way that you are going to raise those chicks out for 70 cents a piece. In my area, if you go to have the chicks processed, it costs about $5 per chicken when you go to have the finished bird processed. So now you're at $3.20 per chicken and you've not put an ounce of feed in it. The point is, folks, that the economies of scale and the government subsidies that the big corporate ag guys get, they don't exist for the small homesteader. And we need to be honest about that. If you're comparing what you raise or even grow, vegetables would be in the same boat with what you're buying at a traditional grocery store, like a Kroger or an Albertsons or Walmart or Costco or the Piggly Wiggly, my favorite grocery store name of all time, Piggly Wiggly. It's just fun to say. But if you're comparing the cost of raising your own meat birds with what you can buy at the Piggly Wiggly, it's never going to be cheaper. 
it's going to take so long to make back the cost of your coops and the cost of your waterers and the cost of your, your heat lamps and the cost it you're never going to match that price. You're never going to match 58 cents a pound, not at a homesteader scale. Not if you're putting quality ingredients into raising your animals. Now, folks, I don't say that to discourage anybody. Please hear me out. I'm not saying that at all, but we need to understand when we come into homesteading that if our soul, our sole objective is to save money on our grocery bill. And when we're talking about our grocery bill, we're looking at what we're buying at a conventional grocery store. I don't care whether it's with vegetables or if it's with your meat, you're not going to save money. Even looking at vegetables, by the time you factor in putting in a garden and whether you're tilling or no tilling, you've got garden tools that you have to buy. You're putting in trellising, you're buying seeds. And if you're starting seeds, you've got your seed starting equipment. And yes, over time, it becomes cheaper to do it. But if you're going to can the, the beans, you've got a canner, you've got jars, you've got lids. If you're freezing the beans, you've got a freezer, you've got bags, you've got electricity. All of that is real costs. And I can go buy a crap ton of beans at the Piggly Wiggly for what it's going to cost me to raise and grow my own. So if that's my comparison, and that's your desire is to cut your food bill, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to happen. I don't even think there's a probably not going to happen. For those of us who are on five acres or less, we don't have the land to do the rotational grazing that this guy is talking about. Not if you're going to want to raise all of your own meat. If you're going to try to raise cows and rotationally graze them on five acres, it's probably not going to happen. I'm not saying that it can't happen, but you've got to have infrastructure. Again, all of those costs that I listed out. Now, again, folks, I'm not saying that to discourage anybody. I just want to keep it real on this podcast. And I don't want people who listen to this podcast coming away feeling like they've been sold a bill of goods. Like this individual who thought they were going to save money and now all of a sudden they realize, wait a minute, this has cost me a lot more. In fact, what did they say? Very, 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 uh, how do they put it? Let me just go ahead and read that quote again. I was very, very, very wrong thinking that they were going to save money on the grocery bill. Now, having said all of that, keep in mind, I don't think that they're necessarily comparing apples to apples. If you're comparing the chicken that you raise to the chicken at the Piggly Wiggly, certainly the chicken that you raise is going to cost more, but it's not the same thing. In my opinion, you're raising a much higher quality product. So if you want to compare apples to apples, go to your local farmer's market and see how much chicken is costing there. In my area, it's like five bucks a pound and maybe even more. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been to a farmer's market and looked at chicken, but it was like five to seven dollars a pound for chicken at the farmer's market. Now, all of a sudden, when you start making that comparison, I still think that it's probably going to cost you more than that on your homestead if you're not raising 150 birds at a whack if you're not processing them yourself, but certainly now all of a sudden things start to 
come more in line. Compare apples to apples. But beyond that, there are also a ton of other benefits that we have articulated here on this podcast with regards to raising and growing your own food. You're more connected to where your food comes from. You're less reliant on a fragile food system. You are more active. You're not sitting on the couch eating Cheetos, getting fat. You know what's in your food, and more importantly, you know what's not in your food. And it tastes better. And I don't think that's all in your head. In fact, if you go back and listen to episode number 77, when I talked with Farmer Greg from the Urban Farm podcast, he actually laid out the science as to why food actually grown on your homestead tastes better. So it's not all in your head. I mean, I think there is a sense of satisfaction that comes from raising, your gro- raising and growing your own food. And there's certainly something to be said about that. But there's a sense to where you're going to value the food that you raise and grow far more than anything that you could ever buy at a store. When you've put blood, sweat, and tears into raising and growing food, you value it in a way that an exchange of dollars will never provide value. And so I strongly believe, and I've been a huge advocate of people raising and growing their own food. I think 79 episodes into this, if you've listened to more than half of them, if you probably listened to 10 of them. I think it's very clear that I'm very passionate about people raising and growing their own food. But certainly, I'm not going to tell you that you're going to save money on your grocery bill by doing it. Because I really don't think that's the case. I really don't. And I try to keep it real here on the Homestead Journey podcast. All right, folks. That's it for this week's episode. If you have any kind of questions or comments, reach out to me, brian at thehomesteadjourney.net. Also, make sure that you get registered for the upcoming challenge, challenge challenge.thehomesteadjourney.net. As always, the music on the show was provided by audionautics.com. So a big shout out to them. And until next time, everybody, keep up the good work.